You're welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Me Chronicle Sports Podcast Talk a Good Game, hashtag tag. As it's known, I'm Fergal Lynch, and I've been joined this week by another of our special guests. Once again, Jimmy Gagan has uh, departed and left us on our own. He's still enjoying the summer sun, and we're joined in studio this week by me, GA, PRO, and a seasoned veteran with podcasts, I suppose, having made many appearances uh, with the Me Are We Are Mead boys, and uh, also one or two with Tag, Mr. Kieran Flynn. Kieran, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on, Fergal. It's always a pleasure to be here in a very, very hot Navin studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, obviously nobody has seen, or you, people don't generally see the uh, the studio here, but it's very uh, compact and uh, warm. It's like a sweat box. But you're no bother to you, Kieran. You're fit and getting yourself into good shape there. Well, that's it. We're in the trenches, and that's where we do most of our work in the GA. So we're used to the lap of luxury wouldn't really be synonymous with GA or yeah, BGA, for we, that matter. We're not going to go down the line of uh, trenches and battles and all that, but uh, just to confirm that I did frisk uh, Kieran before he came into the office today to check had he his whistle with him. And uh, no, he didn't have his whistle, and we'll just leave it at that, maybe for uh, yeah, it's on this. on eBay. It was barely used. It's not the phrase. <laughs> barely used. Barely Brand used new. whistle. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. It's a new whistle, as you're saying. It's an expensive one, and you didn't want to wear it out. It's uh, more like an antique, I think, at this stage. <laughs> yeah, honest God. But it, it is a, an interesting point, Kieran. And I know we were chatting before we came in. Um, you know, your your refereeing style is one to let the game flow, and I think a lot of people want that to see in games. Um, but on on the same hand, players have to take a lot of responsibility when referees do let games flow, and, and players have to take responsibility of, well, you know what, this boy is letting this game go, I'm going to try and take the head off somebody. Players have to take responsibility uh, for those situations. So I think a lot of credit has to go to a referee that allows a, a free and open game, hurling football, camogie, ladies football, uh, rather than somebody that's constantly blowing a whistle, nobody wants that. Yeah, and thankfully, like this year uh, on the Leinster panel, the Grade Three for the club scene, and I've been involved in like doing Fitzgibbon league matches and all that in Dublin. And one of the highlights this year, I did UCD second team versus Queen's University in a league match on a Monday night up in Belfield, and like the speed of that game was just unreal, like exhilarating kind of. And that like letting it flow, I think I if I had two frees last weekend, I probably had only one and a half, maybe or one. It's in the whole sixty that game. And that's kind of where, like, you talk to players, you talk to managers, you talk to administrators, and in me, then everyone says that we're held back nearly sometimes from maybe our our kind of our reliance on free takers and our reliance when we come up in these hard games that we just don't maybe score enough from play. And I think it's a kind of a collective effort as a referee, a player, administrator. You talk to people and everyone wants the game to be played kind of in a kind of gung-ho style. And that's that's the way I like to do it. As I talk as a player myself playing football with Dunsany and hopefully when I get a bit fitter again I could be playing a bit of second team hurling with Clemesson. Like I want to play on the edge too. I want to play within the rules but with a kind of a we'll say an indication of like you're going for the ball hard, you're not gonna be sliding back like Yeah, and there's also the element of uh, the difference in in refereeing from club level to inter county level so that um when players, I know there was there was often meetings between referees and intercounty managers, not just in Mead but in many counties throughout the country, where uh, an intercounty manager would go to the referees and say, "Lads, can we let these games go a little bit more? Because when these players step up to intercounty level, that's the way games are refereed at intercounty standard." And I think we saw a great job uh, done in the All Ireland hurling final yesterday. Um, referee again, as you said, 
game was played on the edge. There were times where you could scream for fouls, but he let the play go. And I think most players want that, and definitely most managers at club level, or sorry, at inter-county level, want the referees at club level to perform at that inter-county standard, if that makes sense. Definitely, and like take of us, like one of our roles, like as PRO of the county board, you're the editor here in the Mead Chronicle. Like you're looking to create an excitement with what you write. The games you go to, you're not looking for dull affairs. And the reality is, hurling is meant to be this ancient warrior sport. Like that's what it's all built as, and the history of the game. And everyone was talking about cultures as a hot topic in the country at the minute. And hurling is something that is indicative of Irishness, and it's something we should be proud of. And nobody wants to see two of the free takers either club practicing their frees like a game of tennis like in Wimbledon they want it to be that warrior sport and sometime warriors um, was it the Sung Tzu um, quote it's better to be a, a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a battlefield you know yeah, so yeah, it's well. about holding yourself back and playing within yourself too like I said, we don't want to go out there and maybe kill each other on the field so you have to play hard within the rules well that's the other thing though there is there should also be an equal measure of responsibility from probably more so on the players part because they're the ones responsible for their actions but there also has to be a measure of responsibility from a referee to protect players on the field as well. And sometimes when games are let go, uh, using my air quote marks, when games are let go by referees, um, some players just take that as a free hand that they can go out and do what they want. So where does that measure of responsibility lie to protect players on the field? Is it with the players themselves? Is it with their managers who coach that sort of, or should be coaching that discipline? Or is it to the referee to lay down the, the law? It was definitely a balance, isn't it? And I know for myself, just say, if I'm going to play and we're playing Premier Football tomorrow with Dunsany against St. Peter's Dunboyne, like I know it's up to me, like simple enough, like not to go out and thump the head of a lad. Like that's obviously, that's something straightforward. But like if a lad comes in through on goal on me, like I'm going to go as hard as I can to stop him from scoring. And if I get a chance to shoulder lad, I'm going to try and absolutely plant him with a shoulder. And that's something like I, as a player I should be doing. And we're coached to tackle hard and we're tackled to maybe leave a little bit in the tackle, not to like let him bite you. So then as a player, you, you know that. But as a referee, and it's again, it's probably a weakness of me as a referee. Like, I will try and let the game play a on. Kieran, a weakness? Yeah, absolutely. No. <laughs> yeah. But trying to let it play as much as I can. So the onus is on the player to probably understand that and take the, the invitation to play the game as best you can and not to, to basically infringe purposely. Like, no one's looking for you to not go hard for the ball. But I think the onus is on a player not to basically endanger an opponent purposely. Like, if a lad goes for a ball and he hurts the lad by mistake, that's just the game it's played. But if I say in my head, I'm going to hurt this player, like that's where the line has to be drawn every yeah. time. And uh, not looking at any game in particular or, or, you know, trying to put you on the spot or any any club players on the spot, what's the reaction on the field um, to your refereeing style? Do the players seem to like it? I know you can get a little bit of jip sometimes some lads going ah oh, come on but that always happens even if you're going to be a referee awarding 60 frees a game or awarding 13 frees a game um you're going to get lads always screaming for for frees so what's the general reaction on the field to play to your style from the players never mind outside defense or on the sideline well, free takers hate me <laughs> so free takers who are locking up 20 points a game hate me because they just don't get them anymore but overall, I'd like to think that the majority of players understand why I'm doing it. Like, I'm not looking for people to love me or anything like that. I just, I enjoy doing it. Like, since, like, we know this, like, I've got fitter and stronger back playing and enjoying it. Like, I love the fact that I can go out and part Talton there and run the seven kilometres, keep up with the play, I'm up with every major decision. I'm enjoying it. Like, the referee gets to watch the game. I have the best view of the house. Like, I get to see some of the best players in Meath 
making big contact, scoring the great scores, and seeing all these great moments. Like, like I'm like say I'm envious of just say someone like Pat Gannon who got to be beside Alan Douglas when he scored that point in the senior hurling final, the yeah. 2021. Like imagine being like, and I've had great moments as a ref and as a player. But the ref, imagine being beside Alan Douglas when he puts that ball over the bar. Yeah. That's where the ref gets the benefit of having the best view in the house. And that's what I'm craving. It's not like I'm not looking for to, to retain my most improved referee award or <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you, you, <laughs> I did say to you earlier on, those most improved uh, awards kind of... Uh, You'd always wonder, well, where was the standard or where was the bar below well, that? that I was retired and I was 25 stone. So I think I think that's an improvement, I think. I've, yeah, but if I win it again next year, I'm in trouble, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, fair play. And, and, you know, you've made huge strides gone from, as you said, 25 stone as a young man to what have you lost? 10 stone? Or eight and a half. Eight and a half stone. Just eight and a half. Is it? It's phenomenal. Like So fair play to you. And, uh, you know, we all like to see the games flow and the whole lot. And, uh, you know, nobody is going out player i don't think any player managers don't send out teams and, and referees certainly out going out there to see anybody getting injured or to favor one side over the other so uh it's a tough job and uh, it's a while we all give out about about referees very 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 few of us put our hands up and say yeah i'll be a referee speaking of which um i want to touch on the mead ladies football uh all ireland semi-final on saturday there was also uh, it's been described as a poor refereeing performance from Shane Curley from Galway in that game as well but before maybe we get on to that um, we'll just talk about this Mead ladies football team they just keep coming up with the goods uh, keep churning out results they're not winning games big games emphatically and uh, as my opening paragraph in this week's chronicle is about you know they're, they're testing of our cardiac issues they're mm. really putting <laughs> Mead supporters on the edge of their seats that uh, or that that close to the edge of the seats a light breeze that blows off and it really is sensational stuff from the Mead ladies they recovered from a three point deficit at half time uh, I just don't have my notes should have brought them out with me but they were uh, one three to two points down leading up to half time and then Orla Lally got a point two points within a minute of the restart gets them back then to within a point then Morrow Shotnessy gets sent off for 10 minutes for a yellow card offence. Probably a slightly high tackle. Um, I'm not sure there was much ferocity in it. Uh, it definitely wouldn't have been a yellow card if you'd been refereeing, Kieran. Definitely um, <laughs> But then when Morrow goes off, Mead go on and kick the next four points in succession. That was seven points in a row either side of half time to go from being uh, th one three to two points down to being nine points to one to one three up it was phenomenal then Mead get restored back to 15 and it was nearly like they went back into their other game plan of setting up defensively and Donegal were patient picked off three scores in a row which I know um, disappointed Eamon Murray and we do have an interview with Eamon uh, it was part of it was on LMFM yesterday but just with the questions that I asked him and uh, Emma Duggan we'll play that uh, shortly but Eamon was disappointed with the concession of those three points in a row. But then another disaster for me. They're hit with another yellow card. Very harsh on Vicky Wall. Referee held up three fingers, which I can only assume he meant the yellow card is for an accumulation of three fouls. Uh, all three were probably barely fouls, um, if there were fouls at all. And Vicky was gone for 10 minutes. And what do me turn around and do again? Outscore Donegal by three points to one in that period. 
So for the 20 minutes of the second half, when Mead were down to 14 players, they outscored Donegal 7 points to 1. And it's that type of resilience and character, Kieran, that we have seen over and over and time and time again from Mead ladies. It's nearly become expected at this stage. Yeah, and the coolness at the end, I thought, it's, it's something that i seen trial years ago in the Sigerson football when they did the, the hooter, like the clock. And I think ladies football, it makes it very exciting. They saw, obviously, they were winning at the very end, but they just said the leadership with the likes of Emma Duggan and there was at least four or five other players around her at that stage, right at the end. And they just brought it into the corner and they hand passed around. And I just think that's kind of like... It like epitomizes the kind of coolness. Like I've seen so many times, and it probably happened with the Galway game the week previous, where Galway attacked too early and they left themselves too much time to defend. Where Mead just held possession, and like when you're out on your feet and you're tired, and you've probably like the square meters of the field is much larger when you're down a player that to cover. So fatigue should have been setting in, but the we'll say the coolness there was unbelievable. And it just showed the resilience is another word you used. They kept coming back, and they do keep coming back when the adversity hits them. But you touched on the referee, and I, I think maybe it's not so much the referee that is at fault. I think maybe the playing rules of ladies' football are very frustrating. Like I, I would like to think myself, as much as um, I get sneered, you say, for letting the game flow, I have a forensic kind of knowledge of the rules, and I can quote them, and I can give you the letters and the numbers of them. But for the ladies' football, I don't understand them, because I don't understand maybe what what is actually like the fundamental understanding of like what is a charge, like... I think in lads football in hurling, people understand a charge is basically someone who is trying to basically go through a person on purpose and they're kind of to turn in. Like, so they're basically, they're using that shoulder charge to aggressively move forward. But for ladies football, it seems that some players are just running in straight lines. Others are getting body checked. Like Vicky Wall must be so frustrated having to constantly, I'd say nearly like um, slow down or maybe just lower her contact because she's afraid of hurting someone else because she's too strong for it within the rules. And I find that frustrating as a spectator. And, and again, it probably shows again that resilience that Mead can, I wouldn't say fight against the ref, but nearly fight against the rules the that rules. they're actually, they've probably gone past them at this stage and they're actually able to transcend this idea of the charge and they're so much more powerful running with the ball that their leadership there, it's going to be frustrating. And you'd like to think, hopefully in this final, that a rule like that doesn't upset. Wouldn't it be a terror if, if Vicky Wall had to spend 10 minutes off a senior final because two people tried to take her out of it and she just went straight through the tackle? Like yeah, That's well, a frustrating. Yeah. I, again, reverting back to personal experience, I was with the Mead Miners, Mead Minor Ladies in 2019, and we played Monaghan in an All Ireland semi final, and we were two points down, a uh, couple of minutes to go, and Orla Lally gets the ball and she goes through one tackle and is bearing down on goals, certain goal, mm. nailed on a certain goal, and the player comes across and steps in front of her to block her run, and Orla knocks her to the ground and continues to play on. Referee blows the play back up gives Monaghan the free out and sends Orla Lally to the sin bin. So Orla is basically sent off. She missed the last couple of minutes of the game. So instead of being where we were two points down, we would have been a point up. Instead, we remain two points down, a free out and a player down. You end up losing an All-Ireland semi-final by, by a minute. Like it's, it's, uh, and or sorry, can, by, a, by and a couple of points. And if you juxtapose that then with Walter Welch yesterday, one of the best points of the senior final yesterday was a ball came over, he was on the 45 on the Hogan side, he caught the ball, saw the Limerick player coming to him, saw it, he actually waited for him, shouldered him, or kind of forearmed him away, and then stuck the ball over the net, over yeah. the bar. Like he actually, he charged his opponent, but it's kind of understood in Hurland that that's nearly invited. Yeah. And Camogie has kind of gone that way, where they're starting to let more physicality. So I think it's up to maybe the administrators, and again, club officials in the LGFA, to maybe bring the rules more uniform. Like we only talk about that ourselves, that like, 
the ladies' game is advancing at such a pace that the playing rules shouldn't be so dramatically different than the men's game. Like we're looking at the moment, the European Soccer Championships for the ladies, they play the same playing rules as the men. And there's no like no same one's with boxing, same with yeah. women's rugby. There's the same rule. The only change in, in the women's boxing is that they're two minute rounds. But other than that, that's a time thing rather than and we, we a talked about thing. there's issues maybe over like which which um version or which code would take supremacy with regards picking the ball up off the ground and these things. So they're they're little things. And if the ladies had to keep that, I don't think that would be an issue. If there was slight slight changes in the men's, but yeah. the tackle is something that. It's kind of like, why is it not just a bit more uniform? Like It should yeah. be physical. Well, the, the question is uh, in that, and it's it's part of my big bugbear on the on the ladies' game, is when does a charge be, become an illegal block? Hmm. You know, and there's a very fine line. Like in the closing stages of yesterday's, or Saturday's, uh, ladies' All-Ireland semi-final, there was a coming together uh, with Mary-Kate Lynch, and I'm not 100% sure, it could have been Karen Cut. I don't think it was The Karen number 11 country. for Donegal. Was it? So it was Neve McLaughlin. Yeah. So there's a coming together of Neve McLaughlin and, and Mary Kate Lynch. And it was purely two players hungry to get the ball, eyes solely on the ball, and they collided. And the referee gave me the free out. We're grateful for that, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But the correct call there was halt the play, two players of a head injury. Donegal had possession of the ball, I think. Or who, whichever team, either way, had possession Donegal of the were ball. Attacking. Donegal were attacking. They had possession of the ball. Play restarts. They obviously can't score direct. But play restarts with them having possession of the ball. Now, thankfully, from a Mead point of view, Mead got the free out and it was very much relieving. So that that's it. But it's 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 a very frustrating part of the game. And when you say about Vicky, like Vicky must go into games and sometimes she slows down. No, she doesn't slow down. No, Vicky, but that's but Vicky possibly wouldn't care. Yeah. Sorry, saying she wouldn't care about whether she hurt. Of course she cares. She doesn't want to hurt another player. But I'm sure Vicky's sole thought process is I have to get by this challenge. But now she has to look at it and go, if I use my strength and my pace here and this girl decides to take a half an inch step to her right, she's going to be right in my path. Mm. Am I going to be done for charging or is she going to be done for blocking? And it's that ambiguity and that just total, that, that it can go anyway. That drives Are the Kerry mental. team having these conversations? You'd have to think from, we were talking earlier about like the rules and the philosophy of Players don't go out to, we'll say, cheat on purpose or to hurt other people, no, but no. they definitely try to win, though. And if I was a Kerry player, like these conversations should be happening, thinking that, like, if Vicky Wall comes running at me, like, I probably, it's like, you know, you take the charge in basketball in the yeah, NBA, yeah. and the, the, if, you, if you stand with your two feet basically shoulder apart and you put your hands over your body, that's your basically your natural posture, you can take the charge and get a free. Like, you basically get a foul on you, an aggressive foul. So if I was a Kerry player, you've got to be talking about maybe if I can take the charge and get Vicky in the bin for 10 minutes. like. But if you stand with your two feet planted, shoulder length apart, put your hands across your body in Gaelic football, you're going to be sidestepped. Yeah, that's the difference. But it's, you know, it's probably just the way if you can maybe get yourself there. And that's, again, you're probably thinking about it. It's not to encourage that, but you're always trying to win too as a player. Like Kerry don't want Vicky Wall to burst through and set up goals and points and score. And, you know, like, because she has the ability to take over a match. Same way Emma Duggan, and there's so many of them do. But that, teams have gone out now with specific plans. And I know from talking to Emma Murray uh, pre-match of other games, that's a major concern for me is that teams go out just to stop Vicky Wall and Emma mm. Duggan because of their strength and their power that they think well if we stop these two by fair means or foul but you look at the free count um, in the Mead Dublin game in the Leinster final I think it was like 28 frees uh, for Dublin or 28 fouls by Dublin 8 fouls by Mead yet Mead had two players sin binned 
Mm, but Dublin think... were cynical. They stopped. They stood in the way. They stopped the run. Whereas Meath's two sin bins were for players on the run who ended up crashing into a Dublin player who stepped across into the line. It's it's very frustrating. But we're probably getting away from uh, what was a superb Meath performance when you take the, the, the idiosyncrasies of the referee out of it. It was an unbelievable performance. And that uh, passage of play that you referenced there before, it was just after Yvonne Bonner had uh, pointed to close the gap to within a point. Uh, there was two minutes, 30 seconds, I think, left on the clock. And Monica took the short kick out. And that passage of play, it went from that kick out to a score in a minute and 13 seconds. But Mead were penned in on mm. that corner in front of uh, the old Nally Stand, where the old Nally Stand used to be in Crow right. Park. And um, Mead were penned in on that corner. And Emma Troy held on to the ball for like 14 seconds challenged and hassled and harried mm. but great presence of mind to hold on to it and took her hop took her solo took the challenges held on to possession and they worked the ball from monica's kick out to when emma duggan kicked the ball over the bar there was 20 passes involved mm. between 11 different players and they played the ball in the corner then it came to sean ennis in a more central position who played it out to the left hand wing they moved it down the left hand side with Bridgetta lynch then Avian Leahy was involved. Then Mary-Kate Lynch was involved. And they were patient when inside their 25 metres. They were patient. But once they broke into that midfield, get the ball to Emma Duggan then on the edge of the D. And Emma Duggan did what Emma Duggan does. There's a tongue twister. Yeah. Um, and she just popped the ball over the bar. Just phenomenal stuff. And Emma Duggan had played a part earlier in that move mm. inside her own 13 metre line. So she was doing her work close to goal. And then at the end, putting the ball over the bar. But that's a question I have for you, Fergal, just when I think again of like, I always love comparing what we do in Gaelic games to other sports. And I'm just thinking the two minutes in the clock really brings in like the NFL for me. And like there's the, a lot of the teams have practiced the four minute drill and the two minute drill. How much practice do you think Meath have done on maybe them kind of moments where you're, you're in a scenario where there's two minutes? Like do players know where they need to be or was that free form? Or it's hard, like I, sometimes free form is great, but it's, it's great to know if, if Emma Duggan has the ball, we'll say, on the 45 and the Hogan side, she knows that I'm going to have two support runners coming. It's probably free form in a rigid structure, if that makes any mm. sort of sense, in that they know where they have to be throughout the game. And that plan doesn't change from the first minute to the last. So when Mead counter, they know where their forward players have to be. They know where the wing backs have mm. to be. They know where the wing forwards and the two midfielders have to be. So they can trust them to be there. But that's the first minute. First two minutes or the last two minutes, it's the same thing applies. I think every team at this stage uh, practices that two-minute drill or one-minute drill. Because you see it sometimes in the lads where they put up their hand. Like yeah. I've seen it sometimes with Dublin. I've seen it with Galway where they have, like, we'll say, like they seem to call it a play. Yeah. That's some kind of sense. Like definitely something where they say we're going into retention mode or something yeah. like that. And that's it. If you're a couple of points up and you want to yeah. hold on to the ball, you have a two-minute drill for retaining that mm. where you spread wide or some teams like to come tight and keep it compact. Or then you have a two-minute drill where, or a, maybe a one-minute drill where we need a score here, yeah. right, lads? We need a goal. And it's then about, all about creating space and moving the ball quickly. Every team does that. Mead ladies are no different. But when you talk about the, the structure or um, that they know where, where they go in that certain type of drill, I think that plan is in place from mm. minute one to minute 60. And uh, it's certainly paid off. But look at... Looking forward to an All-Ireland final now for Mead uh, on the 31st of July. There are Senior Hurling Championship games fixed for that day in Mead. Um, I'm sure the CCC in Mead will look at the timing of those games and, and there will be some time changes. 
meet or play in Kerry at 4 o'clock in Crow Park on the 31st of July. It's uh, Antrim and Fermanagh in the junior final at 11.45 and it's Leash and Wexford in the intermediate final at 1.45 before meeting Kerry at 4 o'clock in Crow Park. Because like, I know like my own club, Clemesson, I think we're playing Clonagwale at 4 o'clock on the Sunday. Yeah. And like so, Megan Tyne is involved with the team. Like and so, Orla Lally is is a Clan Gael player. So like we like as Clemesson members have no interest in not supporting Megan Tyne because there's a senior hurling match on. So as PRO of the county board, I don't have any direct control over fixtures, but I know that people involved in Gaelic games understand the family of it, and I'd like to think that the CCC will probably seek well, the I'm wisdom sure the to make the of, games. I'm sure the likes of Danny and and uh, uh, Shannon and and. Oh, all yeah. the time yeah, many would, Nile, yeah. would, would like to go and support Kilmessen and would also like to go and uh, and watch Megan play in all in the final the same with with Clan Gale and the same with I think last week I, I made a point on Saturday just gone when the meet game was on there was 10 teams involved uh, in games on Saturday at half six and meet ladies were playing at um, four o'clock up in Crow Park and there was 10 players on the mead panel members of those clubs that were playing on Saturday and they had family members that would have wanted to go and support both teams I know it's difficult it's a tough job for the CCC to try and get games but if games can be pushed out by a half an hour or an hour to facilitate uh, family members and friends to be able to support both set, all sets of their family and all members of their or all sets of friends and all members of their family that they can go and support the likes of Megan with the Mead ladies and maybe one of the other lads playing with Kilmessen maybe two hours later. Um, that would be something to look forward to. But Kerry are going to be a tough proposition in this ladies' All Ireland final. They proved their goal threat against Mayo, a strong Mayo team that came in very fancy after beating Cork in the All Ireland quarter final. Mm. So, yeah, we, we can expect another tough game. Definitely. And I see, I actually seen Kerry play, what is pre COVID now, down in Kerry. Mead played in Killarney. And the ladies played beforehand, and I forget who they played, but they absolutely Cork, sma- they or, smashed or, them, was or, it? Cork or tip, Cork, I think. They smashed them, and it was isn't it me, Hollymer Hurtigs? Is it a granddaughter, or is there mm, someone? I don't. There's Louise Nimmer Hurtig. I don't think is she she's relation right. to I don't her? think she is. Well, maybe she is, but I don't think she is related. And she was fabulous. I remember her playing that day, just watching it, and ah, she's brilliant. You'd see them a few times. You just like you'd see, and you see highlights on the kind of different shows throughout the week, and you see stuff on social media. Like Kerry are a good team, and like Kerry. Gaelic games like they're they're not going to lie down in the final like they just it's not in their makeup like they want to talk about that and different kind of social media things we're watching and Kerry like when it comes to football they absolutely adore it down there and they're not going to leave anything behind them and the fact that Mead are the defending champions will always put you on that pedestal to get knocked down but I think they've shown their virtue and their pedigree as champions that they are the favourites to win and I think that's good because the Mead team should be going in there confident of their own abilities not that like, we can talk about Kerry, we can talk about Mead, but ultimately, I'd like to think that Mead are deserving champions from last year. They're the defending champions. They're the best team in the country. And they have to believe that. And I think they do believe that. They go around with um, an air of confidence in the way they play, knowing that they train hard, they work hard for it, and they play and deliver. They haven't not delivered yet, thankfully. And I have no worries at all that this is going to be a, a banana skin rant like that. They're going to deliver hard. At yeah, it. and, and um, experience is key as well. This is the fifth year in a row Mead will have played on All-Ireland Final Day. Mm. Three intermediate All-Ireland Finals. And this is their second senior final. And it's a remarkable statistic that since, apart from their first year when they came in late into the job with Eamon, Eamon came in late as manager. But from the second year on, Mead have played every game possible 
of that year. So they've gotten to Leinster Intermediate Finals, they got to Leinster Senior Finals, they won National Football League Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One. Uh, they played in three All Ireland Intermediate Finals. They've played in now into their second All Ireland Senior Final. So they're going to the end of every season, and it shows remarkable, remarkable skill level. Sorry, fitness levels and hunger to want to keep going. Um, and we'll hear some of that now. Just uh, we'll go on to the interview that um, we did in the belly of the Hogan Stand on Saturday. Uh, with Eamon Murray and we're also joined by Emma Duggan for that interview so we'll play that one for us here now. Eamon, how important is the experience of last year uh, getting you through these really tight games, tight games the last day uh, and then another tight one today, how important was the experience gained over the last five years probably? Oh, sure. it, it's everything Fergal, uh, we wouldn't have won last week only for the experience we got here the year before so and then again the today they were two very tough games. I know how good Donegal are, and I know Gal were an awesome team as well. So they were two great wins by one and two points. And to be able to manage a game when you're down to 14 players for 20 minutes in the second half, that's really just shows real character. It was amazing. Like we, we kicked on there and scored six points in a row when, when Meyer was off, which was amazing, you know. And then kick more scores then and hit more goals. Yeah. Is it when the players come off, is it that there's extra space maybe a little bit, maybe Emma could answer that, but there's a bit more space maybe when there's less players on the field? Do you find that? Um, yeah, well, I think, I suppose what really kicked in was just the, the hunger and desire there. It's something that we have worked on. Like I think a number of times this year we've been left 14 players, we probably haven't managed the game like we would have liked, and it's something that we have worked on. So it was, it was really nice to see, I suppose, it come to fruition when we really needed it there in the end. And you come up with big scores in big games now twice in a row and I know maybe a couple of games ago you weren't happy with the way your game was going but the last couple of games it's just been phenomenal as your confidence is growing more. Yeah, well I think, I suppose it's, it's the biggest challenge for us this year and I think as individual players was that you know we are, we're being watched a lot closer this year compared to what we were last year and I think that was something that we all had to kind of get into our heads that like none of us were pressing panic buttons four weeks ago when, we're, when we weren't performing you know you can perform you know four or five six weeks ago and, and not do it now when you really need to and I think that's something like Eamon said we've timed our run to perfection I think we're really starting to push on now at the minute when we really need, when we really need to and I think you know there's an even bigger performance coming now for the next day. Twenty years of age, you know, you're showing the head of a of a seasoned veteran at this stage. Do you feel the weight of responsibility on your shoulder, or is it a, a strong team collective there? Oh, it's 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 a very very strong team collective, I suppose. You know, you're talking about big scores there. I think it's just me being in the right position at the right time. That's what it's down to. But you know, there's there's players back there. You know, Mary Kate Lynch getting unbelievable turnovers, Emma Troy, Avian Cleary, like you've players there getting unbelievable turnovers and that, that's what drives it up to me up the pitch too. I suppose the other half of the work as well. Um, but it's it's a massive team performance, you know, no one can do that out there on their own. I think it really showed there today. And this is five years in a row, I think Neil has got to the last game of the season. Um, so you learn from that experience and, and will that be key over the next two weeks for for either of you? It's it's a Oh yeah. Well, this was a tough week. We could do very little this week. <coughs> uh, next, we we will have two good hard weeks now. Yeah, we need them all. Yeah. And do you find the experience, Emma, that you know, with each passing year, it's uh, not that it's getting easier, but it's easier to to control the controllables, I suppose. 
Yeah, absolutely. The experience of the last, you know, this year being up senior anyway has, has really stood us. We've, we've been in a number of unbelievable games, you know, like the court game last year. We knew so it's, it's, it's nice coming in knowing that, you know, you can dig a game out and you have that kind of hunger and desire when it comes down to it as well. You know, it's not nice being in the position on the pitch either where you kind of have to, your, your heart's in your mouth kind of thing. But it, it is nice to know that we can do it. This team, you know, we just keep coming back and doing it over and over again. It's, it, it is really satisfying to know that. And the support of the, the lead supporters out there, I think the lead supporters outnumbered pretty much the other three teams that were here. It's, it's great to get that and the county is really buzzing from it. So probably we say thanks to ye, but what do ye draw from the support around the county as well? Well, they were class the other day. Every score, every little turnover, everything was magic. It's like the all around fun again after the day, and it's very special for us. It gives me a great lift. I'm sure it's the same for Emma, you know. Very proud. Yeah. This is a tough day, and this is probably going down as one of the all time great days again. It's need to be a lot of them, but this will go down as one of the best, yeah. And then in the, the county, be buzzing again leading up to the all Ireland final, and hopefully for another six months after it. We'll be you busy. Look forward to that end of it as well. We'll be busy tomorrow now, put up flags. Yeah. <laughs> but you look forward to that as well, the buzz of the next two weeks rather than. Yeah, you know, like the 31st July is going to be an unbelievable day, but I think, you know, something that Paul has mentioned, it's nearly the journey that's that's even, you know, the better one, the, the two or three weeks sometimes what it is, but the next two weeks are going to be, you know, the best two weeks of our lives, and we know that preparing for an all Ireland final, like, what more would you want, really? Ian, what did you think of the yellow for uh, Vicky? Oh, that was a dreadful decision, but what can I say? That was an awful decision, yeah. And if you look at the... the, 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 the the penalty was a dodgy penalty too. No, if you didn't look up, if you looked up, you'd know right away what it was the penalty. So, just on Kerry, what are your early thoughts on them? Like, I know you played last year. On Kerry, yeah, they're very mobile, very big, and, and they can really move. Uh, look, it'll be not in it again, I'm sure. We, we never do anything easy in Mead, so it'll be another hectic game. But the game, look, we didn't think we'd win it a few months ago, but we're in it now, and we'll we'll not take it for granted. No injuries, brilliant again. Yeah, sure, she's got banging them out, yeah. Nasty bang, yeah. She'll be all right. So, Kieran, that's uh, Eamon Murray and Emma Duggan uh, after so Saturday's win over Donegal. As we said, a sensational performance from Mead. Um, and all systems are going now for the All Ireland Senior Final um, on Sunday, the 31st of July. It's all systems go as well in Mead. We'll just take a look at some of the club stuff uh, quickly as, as we continue along. So uh, a lot of rounds of senior, a lot of senior hurling championship matches on over the weekend. We've already touched on Trim and Kildalki, uh, an unbelievable performance. I know you were referee in that one, so I won't ask you to delve too much the ref, into the ref it. Was great, it? <laughs> well, you were there, you were yeah. there. Um, Kildalki were a dominant side for 40 minutes, 42 minutes of that game and were 310 to 110 up uh, and looking very comfortable and then there was a bit of a row which led to a couple of players been sent off and for the remainder of the game Trim outscored Kildalki the champions by 3.13 to 4 points Kildalki uh, have now lost uh, two games and are probably under a little bit of pressure to defend the champions to qualify but they will look and probably pinpoint games against Dunboyne and Nafina which won't be easy but they're the two games that are going to pinpoint and hope that they can get results from them to push them on um, looking at a couple of the other games then Kiltail 3-21 St Peter's Dunboyne 1-14 no great surprise in that one Kieran. 
Yeah, Kiltail have been one of the best teams pretty much of the 21st century, especially in the last 10 to 12 years. They've been brilliant. And I ref them a few times in the league and Brendan Davis at that this year. And they're very good. Like, this is simple enough. St. Peter's coming up from Group B last year. I ref them in the first round against Rototh. They have a lot of very young panel. A lot of lads, I actually, when I was teaching them in a few years ago, I was teaching them and they were playing junior hurling. Like, you know, they're not that old. They're going to 19 and 20. So they have a big future ahead of them. Like, that's a, a Dunboyne is a village that has grown in size and their underage structures are getting there. So these guys have to realise they're young. They've got to keep at it. They won't be that similar like Rototh. We'll say 10 years ago, Rototh were kind of this team that weren't really motoring for hurling. And now they're one of the premier teams because yeah. they're brilliant. And I know Podge Hanron, I think, was on his honeymoon. He only arrived in the country, I think, about two or three hours before the match. So he was uh, a late addition. But uh, in the other game for Rototh, that's a, a, like another great game. Nafina seem to be just a team that won't lie down. They seem to draw a lot of games over the last few years. And Well, yeah, they, they drew a trim in the first round and were probably unfortunate um, to draw it because... Uh, it was trimmed. It came back late and, mm. and snatched a draw on that one. And they were probably considering themselves unfortunate to have to settle for a draw on this one as well. It was Nafina won 14, Ratoth 17 points. Nafina got the goal. I think it was Oshin McCluskey. Um, again, it was one of those games that I was late getting to because I had been in Crow Park beforehand. So I was relying on other information because I'd missed the first 15 minutes. But um, Nafina were leading. They went ahead with Barry Slevin points a minute and a half into injury time. Uh, won 14 to 16 points and they looked all set for victory and then Paul Hanron, as you said uh, came up with the goods three minutes into injury time to rescue a draw for Ratholt in that one and ironically the two teams had finished level when they met in the championship this, in September last year mm. also in Kiltail as well but on that occasion it was Barry Slevin who rescued the draw for Nafina so uh, and interestingly enough, Nafina and Ratoth met last Tuesday in the A-League in the Football Division right. 1A and finished a nine points each draw. So they, in their last three competitive outings between the clubs, at senior level anyway, uh, there's been nothing between them. Um, so Ratoth have a win and a draw under the belt. Nafina have two draws under the belt. Um, and as we've mentioned already, Trim have a win and a draw and it's Kiltail who are top of the group with two wins but it does look like it's going to be back down to group b for dumboyne but as you said they're a young a young group a young setup that um things will probably improve for them they just need to maintain that senior status it could be a couple of years uh, yo-yoing between group a and group b but um yeah they're they're knocking on the door or they were it used to be knocking on the door quite a bit i know they were in a final a few years ago and it was a hundred years since their mm. previous win and it, it was devastating for them to lose that so there's a huge rebuilding job going on there but in, it is hard Fergal in the sense that like that Trim Kildaki game like it was ferocious it was like I said it was a pleasure to be refereeing it because the two teams really went for it and there was such good hurling high fielding from the puck outs the ball was just moving a hundred miles an hour the players were taking each other on scoring from distance like says there was barely any freeze as I said scored from and they really were just the energy levels were just unbelievable. And that's, like for St. Peter's, that's what they need to get to. But yeah. everyone has to, like, Trim Kildaki, Kiltail, Rotot, Nafina, all the teams in Group A, like, they really are flying. And the level of hurling, to keep it in me, we need that all the time. And yeah. the best teams playing each other. Because it's the way to do it. And, like, some of the Group B teams, probably, like, just when they come up, maybe Kaline are probably the best suited to play in senior Group A at the minute. But, like, the lads in, in Group B, it's just probably a different game. Like, it was at Blackhall and Clemesson on the Saturday. And it's, it's just a slight drop down and the players need to probably just put a bit more in and it is hard to get to that level. Yeah, there's a lot to be said probably for an A-team 
senior hurling championship I know that means four teams would have to drop their senior status and some see it as a badge of honour or a thing to be called a senior hurling club but it's it's all well and good being called something but if you're not at that standard you have to accept where you are and I can never understand a team or a player or anybody involved in a team I can never understand why they don't want to play at a level where they could win rather than playing at a level where they're just struggling to survive I would rather I would rather win a Premier, which we did last year, I would rather win a Premier F player, play, win a Premier FC Division 7 title than struggle playing Premier FC Division 6. I well, would rather well, do it. Trim football is actually a good example. Like You spent a, a long time in intermediate for a, for a big town club with a great history. But now they're a deserving senior team and actually they're debatably in the top eight as opposed to the bottom eight of the senior. And that's... Because an awful yeah, lot of hard work remains to be seen. When well, the yeah, oh, there's the dismissal. Yeah, that's that's a media <laughs> yeah. training coming yeah, in there. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the idea that you earned it. Like you, you, you spent a few hard years in intermediate, and you lost finals, and you've earned it coming up. And I think to hint what you're saying about it, if there was a senior B or an intermediate championship, where the top eight teams were in senior, and then your next eight were in senior B or intermediate. No senior B, no senior B. Yeah, but it's just oh, yeah, I I agree with the intermediate thing, but other counties like awfully do it. I think it's probably to. Decided to maybe dull it's the pain of it's placate egos. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, absolutely, that's I agree with that. But the idea that the next tier, then you actually win a trophy. Mm. Like I think if a Kline or a Clemesson actually won a trophy this year, it would set them up majorly to well, be Kline in the senior. Have they won the A League Division Two. Yeah, but if they won, and the, that's their yeah. standard. You know, yeah. that's the standard they were at, and they were far good or too good at that standard. Now they have to pit themselves at a higher level. So if you had the the eight, the six teams that are in Group A at the minute, um, and add in Kline and or Blackhall, Kilmesson, probably would say the other team would be between those two at the minute. That would be a far better, two groups of four, mm. three intense games. So in the senior, in Group A, you can afford to, like Kildaki haven't won from either of their two games, and they'll probably still qualify from the group. They can win the championship They can still. go and win the championship, whereas if you had two groups of four, you lose two games, you're gone. I think that's the cutthroat nature of sport that we need, and there was a problem with football for a long time in Mead when we had the 18 teams and we yeah. played... Was it Simonson or even I think Central Sound when they won it two thousand and nine or two thousand and seven, um, got in on score difference like without winning too many of the group games. Simonson won the championship a few years ago and they didn't win any of their first three games. Yeah, and that's just I think not it was good. Two enough. draws and a loss. It's just not good enough but in the sense that we wonder why we don't win probably Leinster championships then. That's yeah, yeah. The cutthroat nature of, and I think it, it. I think players understand that they'd rather play less games and have more meaningful games. Yeah. The idea yeah. of like we say the A League. Division 1A has been successful enough this year the sense there's 14 teams but I don't know if I think the O'Mahony's lost all 12, 12 teams 12 yeah. teams sorry they lost all their games and I wonder how they'd feel about that yeah and, and being in the position that we're in I've seen O'Mahony's a few times mm. um, and okay they've lost all 11 of their games but a bit like Mead in the Super 8s a few years ago they were in contention for a lot of those games and they might have ended up and beaten 6, 7, 8 points in a game there were no way were the six, seven, eight points worse mm. off than some of the teams they played. Um, I know they they lost out by six points, I think, to Dunmore Ashburn a couple of weeks ago, and they led for most of that game. So, yeah, it's a it's a tight league, and and the teams are all senior teams in twelve. So you've twelve senior teams mm. in that eight one a, um, which we'll get to now in a minute because the final is down for decision next Friday night. Uh, so it is a competitive division and the teams are all of a very level standard. And that's evidenced by the table. Take O'Mahony's out of it. Mm. 
I think the next team were seven points or five points or something. It was so, tight, yeah. Yeah, it was Bannabrachi tight. Bannabrachi got on the last yeah, day. they got down. But just to give uh, the, the results then of the Group B games, a few hurling results that we haven't touched on. Kline 220, Boards Mill 29, Blackhawk Gales 121, Kilmessen 21 points, Clannagale 215, Longwood 115. In the intermediate, <coughs> excuse me, Dunderry maintained their good form. 313, Wultones 210, Drumree 213, Kildalki 212. Sounds like a cracking game, that one. Navanamani's 116, Ratmaline 111. Uh, a little bit of revenge there from the for Amani's from the A League Division 5 final. Gail Column Kill 211, Kilskir Moila 110. Good win for Kelsmen there, and that's pretty much a local derby. I know well, they played in Ingrange Cotton, didn't they? <laughs> they yeah, it was moved last minute to Kells, so yeah, very yeah, local, very local derby. But I think they don't they play together at underage yeah, level, they're lock at Lockcrew Gales. Gales, yeah. Gale so Gale, yeah. and uh, trim second team 316, Retoat 17, Kilmessen second team 117, Dunham Ashburn 111. Uh, that's the intermediate and the junior. You had Kiltail 113, Drumree 16. St. Peter's Dunboyne 222, Amatney's 08. Junior 2, St. Peter's Dunboyne 316, Boards Mill 22 points. High scoring there for a junior 2. What's that? That's Not a lot of blanket defences, I can imagine. 41 scores in junior 2 hurling. God, who's refereeing that one? Yeah, the ball yeah. in. St. Pat's 411, Dunderry 6 points, and Ratmaline received a walkover from Kilskir Moila in that one. Uh, there was also a junior B, a couple of junior B championship games. Um, Drum Conrad got their second win. Um, St Mary's couldn't bounce back from their opening round loss. Drum Conrad won ten. St Mary's won seven. And uh, real surprising scoreline, if not the results. St Bridget's uh, probably ranked as favourites for the Junior B Championship, but Camina Mud would have been rated maybe a second favourites for it after the opening round. But St Bridget's seven fifteen, Camina Mud two seven. Just remarkable result there um in well, that come in that fergal is sometimes that happens with the when the championship is redrawn take trim for example when the senior hurling was redrawn to the group a group b trim found themselves in group b and yeah. actually got to the final because they probably had a bad year the year previous that was kind of out of kilter with what they had been doing so the st bridget's to be honest can be one of the better junior teams yeah so they probably found themselves in a tough group last year and just ended up in B. Junior I think B, they yeah. lost on score difference. I think it, was a, it could have been Minolte or someone knocked them out at the last day. So they're probably not a junior B team. Yeah, That'll yeah. find its level. You'll find the groupings will fix themselves yeah. over the years. So it's hard to see them been, been touched for that. So, um, And as we alluded to, next Friday evening in Park Tolchin, we have the A-League Division 1A football final uh, between Summerhill and St. Colum Kills. Uh, went right down to the wire to determine that we weren't too sure for a while whether it was going to be top team went straight into the final and second and third played in the semi-final but a uh, quick look through the rules said no the top two teams in all divisions contested the final so there was still a few teams in contention going into that last round of games I know uh, Summerhill uh, Retoat um, Wolf Tones Wolf Tones were in with a chance and St. Colm Kills and Screen we're all in with a chance and it all went down to the final round of games and actually the key one uh, was the St. Colm Kills screen game where we thought Summerhill were, were always likely to go through they were playing a, an out of form Simonstown and they got the result they needed winning 1-9 to 0-7 but the key game was St. Colm Kills against screen and St. Colm Kills won that one 1-14 to screens 0-11 and a strong St. Colm Kills team with Graham Riley and Ben Brennan and James Conlon and uh, a few of the minor stars that were a part of the Mead Minor setup, 
that won the All-Ireland last year. So that was good enough, that was enough for them to get through. Retoat and Nafina, as we mentioned already, finished nine points each. Retoat needed to win that one to have any chance of getting through, but they also needed other results to go their way, so it didn't happen for them either way. As it turned out, Nafina needed to win needed to win as well to guarantee their status in Division One A, but um they got a favour done for them by Gail by Gail Colum Kill, who defeated Balnabracki one fifteen to one thirteen. So it's Balnabracki who joined Navin Amatney's in Division One B next year. Um, uh, with Trim and Dunshockland of course coming up to replace them in Division 1A so just a quick rundown through the results from 1A last Tuesday night St Peter's Dunboyne 119 Navin Matney's 1-9 Gail Colin Kill 115 Balnebracki 113 Nafina 9 points Retote 9 points St Colin Kills 114 Screen not 11 Summerhill 1-9 Simonstown not 7 and Dunmore Ashburn 2-12 Wolf Tones 3-5 be worried maybe uh, about Wolf Tones three five. It's goals again that you know they're lethal at getting goals. Uh, the league doesn't matter, of course, Kieran, when it comes to championship. But well, it doesn't like matter when it. you're not in the final. Yeah, anyway. exactly. But yeah, what would they have not really cared a whole less a whole lot there? They weren't going to be contesting well, the final. I think just from I'm playing myself, it's it's been a long year. It's the first time since 2019 we've had effectively the split season where you. Sp- split the two of them in half and then put them back together yeah. you play for 11 months yeah. so we pretty much in me we play effectively from February to October at nearly at a minimum that's nearly if you don't get knocked out that's if you get knocked out of everything early it's a long season so I think a lot of bodies this year a lot of injuries a lot of hamstrings Achilles a lot of hard ground football and it's just it's been probably built up over the while so some lads are taking the holidays as well we've had the America thing back again where J1s have become a thing where people are travelling and it's very hard to blame a youngster who's been maybe, let's say, use the word, stuck at home for two years that they're getting the, the, the idea of Chicago and New York and these places, San Diego. It's Not very even hard young players, just some seasoned inter-county players gone out there to play I think football that might as be, well. They might have slightly different in, um, yeah. interests, maybe. But that's, yeah, incentives to yeah. go, yeah. But yeah. the younger lads, you said you can't blame them. Lads are going, they're travelling, they're trying to find out about themselves as, as young men and women travelling. But the league is important. It like. A team that does well in the league. So St. Column Kills will like to think that this will give them a good chance of playing well in the Senior Football Championship. Um, they have come probably from the last, we'll say, 20 years of really and truly dominating underage with Retoth. And they've built so many players. Like Their pool of players is absolutely seismic. Like They have so many players to choose Huge from. Huge club. And it's like, I'd say if they had, you could nearly have three clubs in the, the parish. It's nearly that big. And like they're going to come up now in a senior group that has two of them teams that are actually with them in the top of that league. And it's going to be yeah. tough. It's Screen going to be tough. Screen and Wolf Tones, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough group. Sanchez-Towns and Colin Kill, Screen and Wolf Tones. So, so how do they approach this A-League Division 1 final at 7.30 on Friday night in Park Touch and get your tickets online now? Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks, Margaret. It's doing your PR job for you there, Karen. Uh, uh, you know... Well, I, I always a great quote again from the NFL was Al Davis used to own the Oakland Raiders. Anybody brought them from LA and he was always a big character. His motto in the Raiders logo was just win, baby. He just said, get out there and do whatever you have to do to win. And I think St. Column Kills, they've never been to a final, I don't think, in their history of the top senior Division One league. So I think that's an incentive just to go win, just win. And I think it's maybe a kind of a, an indicator of maybe where football and me is going. Summerhill would definitely be considered the old guard, the traditional senior rural club. St. Column Kills are definitely this kind of, the what, want of a better word, the metropolitan east east side of the county, the Dublin commuter belt. Is this the way football is going in Meath, where the likes of the Summer Hills will, will maybe fall back, 
population wise but they still have such a tradition and such mighty footballers that they'll be still able to get to the top but St Colm Kills are just going to keep bringing top class footballers through for the next 10-15 years and this is what we want to meet we want to get better we want to have the best teams playing big and, games and and both finalists will have tough opening games in the first round of the championship Summerhill will probably um, will look at the Dumboyne game as being a massive one in terms of uh, their aspirations getting out of the groups and Colin Kills will play Town again Town wouldn't be considered one of the bigger guns but they're a banana skin for anybody so you know it's it's great for a team to a bit like the Mead Ladies you maintain that winning winning run winning tradition winning formula and uh uh, that type of habit is hard to break. So they probably, as you said, just go and win it, the two of them, with, the, with that view to uh, it's good to be playing intense games that mean something rather than going maybe outside the county looking for a So challenge. many of the youngsters in the kills have won underage coming up. So they're winners. Like yeah. A lot of them are winners for a long time and they've won minors and they've won under 12, 13, 14, 15. So I think it's important to put yourself at that level. Like when I was playing underage, you always like the teams were, say, the St. Martins when it was still with Dunshockland, they were such a good team. We're told they're starting to come of age, but you still had your Matinees and your Simonstown and your Screens and all the big senior clubs. And St. Colum Kills want to be that big senior club. They want to be, when teams are talked about in other counties, St. Colum Kills should be one of the top going forward in the next 10 years. And the only way you get there is if you win things. Yeah. So this league is a massive stepping stone for them as a club. They want to be seen at the top table in mid football. They have to win. Another uh, final on at the weekend uh, on Saturday in Trim at 6.30 is Blackhall Gales against Beliver in the Premier FC Division 4. Um, I know Beliver would probably be, I won't say decimated, but won't have as many of the players that they had earlier in the Premier FC because they would have lost players to their first team when they played in the Junior Championship. But... Um, that, that's a big game neither well of course Beliver won a junior championship a few years ago but it's a while since Blackhall have won um, major silverware did they win a premier last year now that I think of it they were there thereabouts but look at the trophy trophy on the uh, they played intermediate the as well in the there. first round against St. Yeah. Pat's as well so don't know how many players they lost yeah, as well they, they could have lost a couple as well so it, it'd be an interesting final but probably not um, ideal for both clubs who would have lost players but it's also um, a busy weekend in the Intermediate Championship. I'm not going to ask for predictions or a quick rundown. We'll just give a quick rundown maybe on the fixtures. Um, in Slane, Bechtuff take on St. Pat's. Both teams won their opening round games, so that could be a massive game in determining who will top that group. Um, Beliver take on Clanagale in Boards Mill. Uh, all these games at 7.30. In Park Todgen, as we said, is the A-League Division 1 final. On Saturday... At 6.30, you have uh, the favourites for the Intermediate Championship come in to the Reckland to play their first game. They take on Kilmainham, who were desperately disappointing when losing to Bechtoff in the opening round. They play in Walterstown um, at 6.30. In Park Tolchin, we have a doubleheader, Mead Hill against Rackenny in the IFC at 7 o'clock, and that's preceded by uh, your own Dunsany taking on St. Colin Kills at 5.30. A uh, couple of junior football championship games then. In Cortown, you have Banlock against Minolte at 6.30. In Screen, we have Kilbride v Carneross at 6.30. In Atboy, it's Castletown against Boards Mill at the same time. Uh, and as you mentioned in Trim, we have Blackhall and Beliver in that Division 4 final. Um, another big game um, on at the weekend is the Mead Camogie uh, team are playing in the All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie semi-final on Sunday um, against Galway at 2 o'clock. 
the wisdom of the the wisdom of the Camogie Association fixing Galway a Galway team to play in an All Ireland Intermediate Camogie semi final uh, at two o'clock and their men's senior team playing an All Ireland Senior Football final at three thirty. They just don't help themselves. The constant battle between the LGFA and the Camogie Associate Camogie Association uh, with clashing the fixtures. This season, this isn't even with the LGFA they're clashing with. They're going up against the big guns here. Yeah, it's kind of like as at these junctures, you're, you basically have two options, just says Piro. Says, do I go with the I'm not at liberty to say anything? <laughs> yeah. Or you actually say the truth in the sense that, like, sometimes you see, I don't know what these administrators are thinking. Like, it's only, it's a logical thing that it seems if they were put in a room by themselves, they'd end up fighting with each other. That just is not a good decision. And, like, you can't you can't defend it. Like it says, why would you like I know in tradition in Galway sometimes there's a north v south hurling football divide and there might be a thing that oh sure anyone that's watching the football won't be watching the camogie. But if there's one genuine GA person that wants to watch both, why do we upset this? Like they could easily like try and get it maybe in Parnell Park at twelve o'clock. Yeah. Even like try and play it even as a bit more said, north, like even Tullamore or even Well that, even as I said here on the Galway Galway Camogie first team. So that's Galway's second team meter yeah. playing. Galway seniors are playing um, Kilkenny in the All-Ireland Senior Camogie Final on Saturday evening. Mm. Could they not put the second team against Mead in Crow Park as well? Big occasion, there'll be nobody there. But put them on either early in the day, Galway are playing Kilkenny at like quarter past five or five o'clock or something. So put them on at 12 o'clock, it's a doubleheader. Put do them on early subs, in the day. Uh, would they have a thing like a club where the subs on yeah, the senior team play intermediate? They probably could do, yeah. So that might be, I know just from a player point of view, that could be difficult. Well, they don't play, but because if you play at the higher level, you can't go back you can't down. Go back down. And they're not, they're, the panel will be set at this stage yeah, of the championship. Yeah, it would be. Or play to let them go on out and play after the, after the Galway senior team at seven o'clock. Like the only this. thing with Crow Park, you know yourself, you can't even, you can't even walk across it if you're in the yeah, Hogan to go yeah, to Cusick. Yeah. But, but a simple, like, is it bringing that at an hour earlier? Or two hours earlier, even. Yeah. Even if they played at noon or at eleven o'clock in Nolan Park, it's madness to bring Kilkenny and Mead to Nolan Park anyway. Like yeah. geography, like I oh, wonder. Galway and Mead, yeah. Sorry, Galway playing in Kilkenny, like you don't like you don't have to be. We I all suppose, did primary I suppose it's geography. a prestigious <laughs> venue. It's a prestigious venue, I suppose, to play hurling in, and and you would say you know, outside of Turles and maybe Park Cueve and Crow Park, obviously. Nolan Park is the next hurling venue in the country and they say oh god we're getting Nolan Park and we're great yeah there's elements of that but Board Namona O'Connor Park is a great yeah, venue too venue, yeah but they might have club games on Abbottstown as you said Parnell Park they could have played that game and allow the Galway supporters in defence maybe of the Camogie Association they don't get the access to venues that the GA gets first so there is possibly but they're members of the association which the LGFA aren't yeah, that is also true, but they probably, uh, maybe it says we're doing them a disservice and they've thought about these things and they genuinely haven't crossed them, but it just seems without any discussions. Like, I think if the Camogie Association came out and said, well, we actually tried seven or eight different venues at different times and the GA said no to us, then I think it comes back on to why did, we'll say, the GA, why did Offaly, why did all these different counties say no to us? And then I think the blame, like, I know it's not a blame game, but it's just, it's frustrating because there's families are going to have to pick. Yeah. And that's never a good but, thing. But Mead, Mead, um, Mead defeated Kerry in the All-Ireland quarterfinal. Not weekend, just gone the weekend before. But the draw for the semi-final was only done this weekend. Why the big delay? Like the, well, new, the new Cork and Galway, they qualified straight through to the semi-final. Mm. So it was a simple case of it's Cork and Galway against Mead or Derry. Why didn't they do the draw last week and decide on, you know, 
right, we'll get venues for them. They have two weeks to find a venue. Instead of only doing it yesterday or Saturday. Well, we had that where we, the affiliations in Mead come in officially. I think they can't come in after the 1st of March. And when did our draw for the championships take place? So we have our own problems yeah, in the yeah, GA. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, them yeah. things should be done like as soon as like um, that game is done on that evening. Why not have it? on the field 20 minutes afterwards or yeah, have it yeah. on a televised like with Facebook and Twitter and Instagram live and all these things YouTube live you could have that set up anywhere in the country to go out straight away and fully transparent yeah and then you wouldn't have like the was it the club draw we saw with balls coming out of oh, yeah, pockets yeah, and all yeah, sorts yeah, 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 but yeah. like if it's Derry v Mead like you're looking for the Kings van Breffney the Clonuses and these kind of things you know what I mean Inishkeen whatever you're looking for yeah. it's a big difference and it gives the administrators five or six days extra to get a venue. And that is a lot of time. I know for being a volunteer administrator, if you give me five or six extra days to do a job, it makes my life a lot easier. Yeah. Simple logic. Aside from the uh, the mess up of that element of it, meeting an All-Ireland Intermediate Camogie semi-final is not a sentence we thought we'd be saying a few weeks ago. They lost their first three games in the group. Now I'm going to do this off the top of my head. They lost to Derry, they lost to Wexford and they lost to Cork. They looked down and out. They came out and they beat uh, Kildare, which everybody was delighted with, thinking that's grand. That's intermediate status secured. Let's build from there for next year. Played Kilkenny um, in Park Tolchin, and people started to wonder, you know, if every result goes our way here, hmm. we could end up sneaking into a quarterfinal. And as it transpired, every result did go their way. Played Kerry then, bet that was beating Kilkenny. Then they played Kerry in the All Ireland quarter final, and uh, Kerry were much hyped, but they were a young team and not at the level that Mead were at. Um, but now they go into this game against Galway. It's it's basically a free shot. This is bonus territory. They never consider being there, but they'll have a real chance. They have a real good opportunity. But looking at the Galway team, they've they've scored something like. 9.97 they haven't conceded a goal in their five or six games they've only conceded an average eight points um they're just scoring at free will to beat Kerry by 17 points Mead beat Kerry by 11 or 12 or maybe 13 so on that line of form there mightn't be much in it but this was a goal a team that beat Kerry and goal were already top of the group and through to semi-finals so you'd have to wonder their hunger in that game they were guaranteed but Look at Mead will look to to their key players, their their main scorers, your Ethan Minogue, um, Ethan McGuire, Jane Dolan, Olivia Halloran is a girl who's come up from minors and done really, really well. They'll look to uh, Claire Coffey on the edge of the square, who's been sensational for Mead down through the years and is still pulling out all the stops. They'll look to um Grace Coleman, who was player of the match the last day. So Mead have really discovered a strength and depth. Uh, that was Brendan Skeen's main aim this year. And they'll go into that game against Galway. A free hit. Go out, play their game, as you said, go and win it. And if they can do that, if they can go out and play to the best of their ability, uh, tighten up at the back, limit Galway chances, to give them a rattle and Mead will have a chance. Definitely. And I know from, I follow a lot of it on social media. Kieran Devaney and Orla Brady do the social media work for the Mead Camogie and the, they get the great photographs up in the match reports and be following it avidly. And, it just seems that, as you said, they started slow and they didn't seem like they were going anywhere quick. And sometimes that could be, sometimes an oddly a good place to be in Gaelic games because no one's hyping you up and you kind of can build probably at training and these different things. And they just maybe are a slow rising animal. And it looks like if they get a good run against Galway, they have a chance. Like just because you're, like we'll say, written off, we'll say with the high scoring opposition, it doesn't mean you can't win 
like Camogie, like hurling, it's a strange game. Sometimes you can just go out there and have a great game. And I think Mickey Hart was often quoted when he said about replays that he said no two games are ever the same. He said the replay word is kind of oxymoronic. It doesn't work. Yeah. And I think the same when I do that myself too, thinking, oh, we bet that team by 10. They bet them by nine. So we should be one point better. Yeah, but yeah. It's, your, your logical mind looks at that. But then when you go out there, God knows what happens. Yeah, and right. that's nearly the, I, I'm not sure if Mead want to go down the route of let's limit their attack and let's get really condensed and try and defend. Or do they go for maybe that other kind of ballistic mode and just go for it and attack and maybe let kind of free free at it and just hope that we can outscore and kind of keep with them? Because that might dazzle Galway. Because yeah. yeah. they might be used to teams putting in sweepers and saying, let's sit back and they can pick the long-range scores. And I'm always uh, I'm very much kind of on the aggressive um, attacking side of the game. I think you've got to go for it. Really? You've you got to go for it like <laughs> and not lay back and wait to be picked off. I think you got to be sometimes a bit of the street fighter and just go for it and the brawler. Like There's no point trying to pick holes sometimes in an attack when the team is probably superior than you. you got to go for it, I think, and that's Mead's best chance. Uh, thanks a million, Kieran. Um, just we'll finish up. We're, we're kind of, in my head, I had said, oh, we'll always finish up on a highlight and a low light. What was your highlight and low light? A couple of weeks probably we've forgotten to do it, but your highlight of the weekend? Well, refereeing the trim Lockie game, just been out in a in a yellow alert sunshine with my sun tan lotion on like <laughs> it's just again it's a pleasure as a volunteer and a, a member of the association just to be involved in the big moments the big matches of the weekend and thankfully it went well enough like it says there's always going to be people saying it could have been better could have been worse but overall the game was a thriller I did my bit tried my best the players did their bit tried their best and I think everyone came off the field tired and a bit sunstruck and we, we just go again you know <laughs> and hopefully the next round I get a decent game. I'm happy enough to do all the levels all the time. And so even even though you were in Crow Park for the All Ireland hurling final, and you watched the Mead ladies beat Kerry on Saturday, your highlight was that that's good Mead dedication. It was just yeah, for my own purse because I, I I didn't unfortunately I wouldn't be good enough to kick football with Vicky Wall or Emma Duggan. So <laughs> no. you asked me my highlight, and I don't think I think Hegarty might just have the height on me maybe <laughs> maybe yeah. for the Limerick. So. But yeah, I I just love being involved in Mead games. That's why we talk about clubs. The club is where you want to be. Like I love going training, I love going watching my club, I love watching other clubs, and that's why we encourage all our PROs, all our members, like get out, publicise the games, tell people there's game on the field, get your tickets, go watch it. Like yeah. we're it's a simple game for us in the PR world. We're just saying this is a fantastic product. Just get out and watch games and enjoy it. Like a that's low, what we're. How'd you low light? Well, then probably like <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> no, but some people like again when some people are saying you're great, and then sometimes when their team is losing, they might change their tune. I think that's a GA a human nature problem that. Sometimes you only sing when you're winning. There's sometimes yeah, yeah. A, an addict of thing, but sometimes the low light is probably even just with games and that. Like it's tough, like going out there and like there's going to be games next week and there's going to be like you're fighting for place on teams. You mightn't get it. You be hope you might be a sub. You might be starting. They're always low lights. But the trim Kilkenny game when when people are giving out to you, you're only human too. It's a, yeah. it's a, but to be honest, there's not too many low lights in the GA. Stress maybe, but that's that's normal. I think for me, highlight is uh, the move. That built up to Emma Duggan's last point in that game, sensational. Um, it very much reminded me of Kevin Foley's goal against Dublin in '91, um, in that it went from one end of the field to the other. Uh, spectacular. Low light for me is uh, refereeing performances, not pinpointing uh, <laughs> or yours. You're about in, ladies football now. In particular, um, Shane Curley for Galway in the ladies game. I just thought the inconsistencies of the rules don't help him or the. The, oh, I can't even think of what the word is but just the lack of clarity over the rules uh, is bad enough but I just think he didn't 
he didn't use common sense in a lot of things. Uh, there was lines, two line balls that the lines person got completely wrong, completely wrong. Uh, clearly came off an opposition player rather, and they gave them the ball like it was just mad. So that level of inconsistency in refereeing, uh, particularly in that ladies' game. So my highlight and low light was probably in that Mead ladies' game. Emma Duggan's point that made it 12 to 1-7 uh, for Mead and just the, the lack of consistency and application uh, of the rules in ladies' football is a low light. But... We have loads in this week's Mead Chronicle, loads to debate, loads to read about, loads of brilliant action photographs to look at. We preview the Mead Camogie game against Galway. We look back on the Mead game against Donegal. We've uh, most of the senior hurling games that we could cover uh, covered um, in this week's paper. We have a column where I have a whinge and a moan about uh, a few different things uh, there as well. We'll have all our coverage and latest news on horse racing. Uh, superb interviews. Uh, with one of uh, Ireland's leading young boxing hopefuls, uh, a female boxer coming through the ranks. Uh, Jimmy did that. We have an interview with Kevin McGrath, one of Bohemian athletes, um, and his return from injury. And uh, as I said, plenty of reading in there. Paper is on the shelves tomorrow, Tuesday, um, from about six o'clock. So buy a newspaper, as we say. And uh, as Kieran would say, get out and support your club and get your tickets for the games because it's another busy weekend next weekend. Kieran, would you believe I'm off next Monday? Uh, I'm sure you would believe that. But <laughs> uh, well, so am I, so, funny enough. So uh, Jimmy is Jimmy Jimmy is in the hot seat. I'm not sure if you're around to uh, help him out. Maybe you might step into the podcast again with Jimmy next week. Uh, but from myself, Fergal Lynch, and from our special guest, me, GA Piero, Kieran Flynn, you've been listening to the Me Chronicle Sports Talk A Good Game. Say hi.